Harry Butthole Podcast is produced in partnership with Joy Sauce. Harry Butthole. Welcome to Harry Butthole Podcast. This is a podcast based on the Korean saying, if you laugh while crying, hair grows out of your butthole. I'm your host, Youngmi Mayer. And as you know, each week I have a guest on to share a sad story and then we laugh and hopefully hair grows out of my guest's butthole, <laughs> um, which I think is a great thing. I don't know if they... I don't know if they want that, but you know, we're we're trying to we're trying to change the um the world's view on hairy buttholes. Basically, we're gonna try to make. What if that's like a new beauty standard that well, we start one butthole right at a time? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if like it becomes like an actual thing in the world, and then you like people start like going home with people, and they see that their butthole doesn't have any hair, and they're like, ew, ew, I can't connect with you. I can't relate to you. You don't know my pain. You don't know pain at all <laughs> i never i never thought i'd be one to like advocate for butthole hair but now that i know it's its origins I, I, it's important to me it's become a cause for me now yeah it's a korean thing <laughs> anyway let me introduce my guest really quick before we get into it um my guest this week is a hilarious cool very interesting very um important voice and face of tiktok you may know her as Sujia. Susie. Hi. <laughs> thank you so much for asking me. Like, I feel like such an imposter right now. I'm like, I'm literally nobody, but thank you. No, you're so great on um, social media. I really like, you know, I think that it's like a, it's like a, something that I find really interesting when people are active on social media and their presence is like fighting for other other people and like things that they think are wrong in the world um but i think a lot of people sort of do it in a way that you know like i fi i find to be a little problematic but i feel like your voice is always just so authentic and it's so um it just feels very what's the word i'm looking for like genuine but in a way that's like not like there's some sort of secret agenda where i feel like there are some people that feel like that if you know what i mean i do i do and i think honestly the the whole point of my social media from the beginning was just to purge my thoughts and just talk about what i've lived through up to this point and my perspective on it and those things just happen to lean towards like you know bringing attention and awareness to things that people don't otherwise notice and so for me it's not really about telling people to change. It's not about telling people what to do. It's just like, look, when you look at it through my eyes from the life that I've lived, this is what it looks like to me. And if you see yeah. yourself reflected in that, then just look at that for a second. And I think that was my whole thing is like, I'm not an, I'm not an activist. I'm not, you know, mm. a scholar. I'm not a professor. I'm just a regular old lady that just has a lot of shit to talk and has a lot to say. And I think that, if I'm being honest, is why people are, I don't want to say like attracted, but find me interesting in a yeah. weird way. It's just like, they've never seen anyone that looks like me that just is like, look, this is what the fuck is up. This is what this looks like. And this is how it feels. And I think that is a perspective that a lot of people, especially in like the social justice sphere, mm -hmm. they don't, they don't tap into like that part. It's like, look, when I was a kid, this happened to me and that hurt me. And I want you to just know that. And when you see that in the world, you can identify 
it for what it is or from what my perspective has given you. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's like literally exactly what I was trying to say. I think because you come at it from this angle of like, I'm talking about things that I understand because it happened to me. And I just want you all to know my perspective. It feels, uh, it feels like it's coming from like a, a good place. Whereas in sometimes like you were saying, people will just talk about like social justice and has like nothing to do with them. And, and, and it's for so me, Sorry, it can be so antagonizing sometimes, you know? Yes. It's it's hard to constantly feel like you're being told that you're bad. You're yeah. wrong. You don't know anything. You're dumb. You're fucking things up. And it's like, I don't, I, I honestly, I think a lot of people have this misconception that I'm like always angry and I'm always pissed off. And it's like, that's so fucking weird. Because I'm like, I think just really mellow and like cool. And I'm like, let's just all just like be cool with each other. Like, it's not that hard. Yeah. And, and there's this notion that I'm just this like angry Asian lady. And I'm like, please do make no mistake. I can be an angry Asian lady, mm-hmm. but I can also be a soft angry. Or I can be a soft lady. I can be a genuine lady. I can be loving and caring and all these other things. And I think that's the perspective that a lot of people who are trying to do social justice stuff lack. It's like, okay, mm. but show me, show me the person. Show me yeah. the person that you are so I can, I, I can relate to that. I can mm-hmm. relate to other people being moms and to working and to politics and to food. And that's mm-hmm. why like my page is just all over the fucking place. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. these are all the parts of me. All of these things have, you know, come all these things combined is what makes me who I am. And if you can relate to any of those things, then we can relate. And on that level, I've just become a little more human to you and you've become a little more human to me. That's it. Yeah. It's so simple. Yeah. I think it's a very, um, you know, it's just like a very, like not that this was like I don't even think that this was like thought out but it's just a a new way that people are seeing human beings because I feel like you know historically traditionally how you would see somebody uh, like a celebrity figure or somebody that you look up to is just one facet of their life and you don't really know the full person and um, I think how you portray it is very real and then you're seeing all these other facets and yeah, sometimes you are angry about these things that you definitely are justified in being angry about, but that's not what you always are. Most of the time you're not, you know? And really who could so, live like that, right? I can't, I can't live like that. Yeah. And also it makes sense. Like, cause I feel like everyone's like sitting, like, you know, everyone like sits in their room and thinks about something and then gets upset about it. And it's just that you like make videos about that in those moments. Um, but yeah, I think that's like, that's the reason, uh, you know, I'm not to like, I don't want this to turn into like a bash fest on like social justice, uh, social media, like quote unquote celebrities. But yeah, a lot of them kind of creep me out because they come at it like, you don't even know who they are, but they're coming at it very preachy and they're coming at it like they're so perfect and they're teaching us something. It's very uh, like they're pointing down from up top and and then they always get like canceled because something comes out and then they're like, oh, my God, this person was just sort of like a manipulative person trying to get a following on social media. And they decided that the way they were going to do it is do the social justice thing that they don't actually even care about. They're just trying to get followers. It's just so like and I and there's so many people that are like that. And I'm just like this person seems off, you know, there's something off about this. Right. It's totally disingenuous. Yes. And it's like, 
It's like, wait, so you're going to preach to me all the things that I'm doing wrong and that I should be doing. And then you were in blackface three years ago. Like, what yeah. the fuck? Like, it's always what? like, it's always, always like that. <laughs> it's so like gratuitous. And it's like, so either you're just trying to do this to be popular or you yeah. are just projecting as fuck. Like you are just projecting all of your shit onto us. And it's like, that's another thing too, is like, yeah. People, you can't cancel somebody if they take accountability for the shit that they do. Exactly. I, I, I'm uncancelable, number one, because social media is not my life. But number yeah. two, if you tell me that I did something that was fucked up or problematic or that I did that was wrong, let me figure out what that was. And let me like, I will atone for that. I'm not above that. I yeah. fuck up all the time. I fucked up throughout my whole life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's that I think is the big difference with a lot of people on social media is like, okay, you fucked up. But now you're doubling down. Yeah. And now you're saying like why it. we're we're too sensitive or that we did something wrong. It's like, yeah. ugh, stop. Just say you fucked up. It's simple. You fucked up. We all fucked yeah. up. It's okay. It's okay. It's fascinating to see their reaction to that because it's like <sighs> then it's like, oh, this per like then it feels, you know, like you said, disingenuous and also like you're like, oh, this was like a curated, like <coughs> weird facade, and it's all right. crumbling down, right. and it's so weird. <laughs> it's so <laughs> weird, and it, yeah, and I, ugh, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I also like to, you know, like, um, because I had another podcast that was specifically about talking about, you know, like Asian identity politics and things like that, and yeah. I, I had the same like um, way of approaching these conversations where I was like. I did this shit. I used to think like this. I I did racist stuff. And Mm -hmm. that's like why I'm talking about it because I discovered that it was bad. And so I'm coming at it like, you know, when I was 18, I used to say the same shit, you know, like weird internalized racist shit about Asian people and other weird racist stuff. And then I I learned that that was wrong. And, And so when I'm talking to you about that, I'm not like, you better listen and learn. I'm not doing that I'm like hey I used to be like that too and I'm not and like let me just tell you what I what I think now you know what I mean and I think people feel that from you and you're right it is uh, like I mean obviously I don't know I don't want to say this and get canceled tomorrow but like in a way it's like yeah you're uncancelable because I already said I already said what I fucked up on I I already talked about that you know right what, or, or it's like what does canceling even mean that you get you know you get I've seen people do the most gratuitous horrible shit and they yeah. still come back they didn't get they didn't yes. disappear they just get shit for a week or two and then it just dissolves and then they reemerge, having learned and grown and blah 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 and then it's over you know it's like okay it's like what is what does canceling even mean you can't cancel you know that i have a life outside of social media you're not going to cancel you know what i mean it's like exactly or, or, or like go ahead go hit me with your best shot whatever the fuck you got what what does that mean you're going to make a, a page about me, a hate page. I have uh, dozens, dozens of pages of people who just hate me. Go yeah. ahead. Troll me till I die from it. Like, good, that's fine. Good luck. It's, yeah, it's so like, it's so like stark. It's, it's like red or blue. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like you're canceled or you're perfect. And those are right. the two sides that you have. But the truth is like, you know, even talking about people that have been quote unquote canceled, you know, we see these like big celebrities that fully did actual racist things. And yeah. today there's just people that don't want to fuck with them because of that. And then they're fans who are still right. by them and they right. don't give a shit because right. they don't care. Like Mel Gibson, he's still making movies, isn't he? I'm pretty sure. 
Mel Gibson. Yeah, wasn't so bad, was it, Mel? Like, you you said a lot and did a lot of horrible shit, and people are still paying you to make movies. So I don't know if canceling is, like I said, I don't believe that canceling is actually even a thing. I, I, yeah. I, in some cases, wish it was, but it, I don't think it really is. I don't think it actually exists. It's just yeah. a threat or it's like a veiled, like, be careful. People are going to be mean to you. Like, well, people are mean to me anyway. So, oh, fucking yeah. well. Well, it's like this, you know, it's like this idea people think that the entire internet either hates you or loves you. But the truth is everybody has both, you know? You you can't always be right or wrong. Even if what you're seeing is right in, like, terms of, like, ethical you know like in like this racial ethical ideology people obviously hate you because you are standing up to racism right of course yeah a a middle-aged korean lady that isn't afraid to speak her mind is not people's most a lot of people's favorite (laughs) you know what i mean like there are a lot of people who just hate me because i exist and they hate me because i take up space and they hate me because i don't let people just tell me who i am and they don't like that and when i challenge that you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, you're you're the, actually the racist or you're the one who's a problem. You're the one, you know, it's like, okay, all right, yeah. well, I mean, whatever. Like, you can think that and you can do whatever you want and you can troll me from, I mean, I get trolls, like 15 accounts they have. And I'm like, are you, are you having fun? Like, is that cool? Like, you're really trolling me like this hard? Like, that's intense. And it's like, why, why? Because I said, I don't like racists. Shouldn't we all just kind of baseline all feel like that? Like what, well, I'm not saying anything super controversial. I'm not saying anything that people haven't been saying from since the beginning of time. You yeah. just don't like it that it's coming out of my face. Right. Well, what was like, what do you think is like, okay, in terms of, cause I know you have like all these videos where somebody says something really fucked up and then like you explain it to them and then they freak the fuck out. Um, what do you think was like your favorite sort of beef moment? Do you have one? Oh God, <laughs> like I have so one. many. I have so many. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think it's probably my most controversial one, which is why I have it pinned to the top of my page because I'm like, fuck that shit. Yeah. So there's this this British woman named Sophina, and like she is beloved across the pond. Uh-oh. And she she did one of those videos where she did like the ooze for views, where she eats something that is considered gross, you know, ethnic, mm-hmm. ethnic food, like durian, I think it was. No, and I know it was. And, you know, I was just like, are you proud of this? I mean, like you're building a social media platform. Are you mm. proud that like literally your face is contorting and gagging and there's like snot running out of your face? Like, is that something that you're going to look back and be proud of? And I got so much hate for it. Like you wouldn't believe my DMs were filled with British people who were like, you are a horrible person. Sophina is so nice. She's such a good person. And what I really loved about that moment was I got to be able to say, you can be both. Mm-hmm. She can be nice and she could be a lovely person who also fucked up and also did something that caused pain to other people. Yeah. These two things are not mutually exclusive. And exactly. I think that's that's the thing is people don't understand like, oh, sure, she's a nice lady. You don't fucking know her. You don't know her from anybody. She's just trying to sell home goods and get free clothes off of Shein. She doesn't care about you. She doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, don't try to tell me that you know her because you've seen a dozen of her videos. You don't know her at all. And the fact that she would do this and you were explaining it away because if you have this weird parasocial relationship with her, that Mm. makes you crazy. (laughs) You don't know her. Yeah, also... And also like social media, you know, like even obviously I was talking about how I feel like you 
you come off very gen like genuine and authentic but there there's like all different kinds of people on social media and you don't know how much of their curated life they're showing you so this woman she's doing these like home good videos you don't know if she goes home and like kicks her dog in the face every night right. who knows exactly. and how exactly. do you know you know right. like she might be putting up putting on a little act and then yeah and then yeah like just like even if you are a nice person like i was saying earlier like i've i've fucked up i've said and done weird things i actually did this thank god i didn't make a video but like i said something what did i call it i don't think it was that negative but i, I said something about because i was eating um this like middle eastern food and it had like yogurt and it had this really delicious um like licorice candy on top of it they're like sprinkles i forgot what it's called it's like i think maybe also i've seen it in like indian restaurants like when you're leaving it's like a little oh yeah yeah it's like little candies yeah i don't yeah, know what they're like, called though and, I don't, and stuff about. yeah 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 uh-huh. and i yeah and i was like oh and they put these like a uh, weird little licorice sprinkles on it and i said something like that and people got mad and i was like yeah you're right what what the fuck am i saying it's weird little it's right. not weird to a lot of people and why right. did i say it like that and like i've <laughs> right. So like that, I've done that, obviously, you know, and then like and then I apologize to the person that like called me out and I was like, oh, my God, that's like so stupid. Why did I say that? And it was right. just it's my perspective that it's weird because it's not my cultural candy. Right. And I, I was saying it was weird because it was like sprinkled on top of like a meat dish. And I was like, oh, my God, there's a candy on meat or something <laughs> like that. Right. Right. But to, to whoever like that food country is from that person's like that's not weird what you know it's totally normal or i think you're weird for thinking that's weird yeah you know what i mean and like that's fine and i think that's why i like pivoted towards food so my yeah. earlier days on social media was very heavy politics mm. very heavy politics and i still am very political in my private life but on social media it is just literally just a shitstorm all day every day yeah and so when you combine politics with being a woman from a marginalized ethnicity, it is very difficult to be political and not get, I mean, just, I mean, if you want to talk about actual death threats, like really like scary shit. Yeah. So I was like, how can I still find a way to deliver the message that I feel like I have and really talk about my life experiences and do it in a way that people will find a little bit more I don't want to say palatable, but maybe mm. in a way that they can really relate to and understand. Yeah. And I thought food, food is it because yeah. I can, I can eat food from all around the world and never have met one person from that place. Mm -hmm. But that one connection to that food will give me just a little bit of insight. Just give me a crack in the opening of the door. That's all I need. And I think yeah. that humanizing people through their food, I think is the easiest way, right? We all eat, we all love food. We've all had food outside of our cultures and ethnicities. And we all know, like I've eaten Italian food. I've had French food. I've had Japanese food. I've had, you know what I mean? Like, so I know that those people exist through their food and I yeah. can just relate to it and tap into it just a little bit more gently than just jumping into something that I don't understand, you know? Right. So I've been much happier. Thank God. Oh, well, I mean, it's so interesting hearing that because obviously if you, talk about stuff that's like very obviously political people get very upset <laughs> very very upset but like so, and you were saying well so, so then i started doing the food thing the interesting thing is food is so political so political people have, just, they don't think about it it's yeah they just so don't political. put it in that they don't put it in that category so you can right. get away with expressing right. the same sort of feelings right except you're talking about 
you know, oh, you are being kind of racist and you're expressing your racism through hatred of an Asian dish. And you're right. like, uh-uh, I got you. I know what you're doing. Right. And then they're like, why is this? Oh, why are you so upset about this? And it's like, because you're talking politics. You are being right. political, but Absolutely. you're masking it. And you're right. being racist, but you're hiding it and being like, ew, look at Nato. And you're like, right. we know exactly what you're trying to do right. and say. Right. Well, yeah, I'm very yeah. heavily in- involved right now in this conversation about you know, how people are always saying that Chinese restaurants serve cat and dog and like whatever. So I'm very heavily in that right now. And that's like, you understand where this comes from. This is so political. This is the otherification. This is, this is approved discrimination. Like, why do you not see that as what it is? And so when you highlight it and through the context of food, everybody can say like, oh, that's true. I did hear Mm -hmm. like my, my uncle told me this one time when I was, you know, in fourth grade that that Chinese restaurant serving dog, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that that sentiment was steeped heavily in racism. It didn't occur to me now. And now I see it. So it's like, if you connect those dots just little by little, yeah. you get this constellation of ideas, you know? Yeah, a constellation of ideas. Um, I always also, I think it's so interesting because when people try to uh, like discuss and argue racism, they don't understand that it's an emotion. So it's like, so they'll try to argue and say, well, there are Chinese restaurants. Obviously, this isn't true. They'll be like, well, some Asian cultures eat cats. Some Asian cultures eat dogs. So it's okay that I say that. And it's like, okay, you are taking an emotional argument and you're pretending that it's like a a factual argument now. And no one's here arguing with you about the fact that some Asian people eat dogs or cats. That's not the argument we're having. The argument we're having is that you hate Asian people already. And now you're finding weird little facts to, to match your hatred so you can continue to hate Asian people. You know, it's like you already feel some sort of fucking way about Chinese people. And now, and and you can't say, I fucking hate Chinese people, obviously. So now you're doing this thing like, well, Chinese people pollute a lot. Do you know that right. Chinese people right. eat cats? You know, right. it's, and, and that's, and I think a lot of people struggle so hard because they don't even know their own emotions. <laughs> they don't even know the reasons that they're saying these things. Right. They're like, no, right. I'm an animal rights activist. And that's why I hate <coughs> Chinese people. It's like, right. nope, you already hated Chinese people. And right. then you found a bunch of reasons to right. justify your emotions. You know? You're giving yourself tacit approval for all of the reasons why you inherently hate Chinese people. And you're giving yep. yourselves reasons that are widely approved by people. Yep. People in the United States love cats. People in the United States love dogs. I have two dogs. I find it very triggering when people say Koreans eat dogs. I've never eaten a dog, nor have I ever looked at my fucking 100 pound bulldog and be like, you look fucking delicious. Never has that occurred to me. And because, but but you want to use that against me because you've you've already hated me. And and that's my thing is like, let's just turn on the lights. Just turn on the lights. Just say it. Just fucking say it. And let's just get, let's get it out of the way. Don't use this dog thing against me. You know, I don't eat dogs, but you want to use that against me. Just say it. You hate me. It's okay. I can take it. And, and, And then give me the reasons why. And you probably don't even know the reasons why. You yeah. just do. Because you, your grandpa told you to. Your grandpa told you about the, the Chinese restaurant that serves dogs. And then your dog went missing. And so that was the first thing he thought to say. Well, the, and the interesting thing is, like, I know so many Asian people that have had this experience. I think Margaret Cho had a stand-up bit about this where somebody, like, 
uh, on the street was in a car and screamed, you're going to eat your dog or something at her. People, people will see an Asian person and just scream that at the street or (laughs) whatever. And it's like, and then if we say that's racist, they'll be like, well, you do eat dogs. And I'm like, right. First of all, that's not the point. The what we have to get to the bottom of is why did you feel the need to scream right. something at somebody right. on the street? Right. And then you just right. fit whatever stupid fact that you think you know in there. It's either you eat dog or or it's, you know, like if somebody hates Asian, I don't know, like some sort of stereotype, you know, like if you if they see a, a Asian woman dressed a little provocatively, they'll be like, "Me love you long love time." You long time. She's a prostitute. Yeah. Every any time. like any racist little idea you have, you already felt the feeling of hate, and you're gonna throw it at the person, you right? Know? And which which is so funny because I've never like driven by a group of white dudes and be like, "You guys can't dance." You know, like I, I've never been compelled to scream something at people on the street just for existing. Like literally, yeah. I I almost I love my dogs so much i love my dogs almost as much as i probably love my children but i never show them i I don't show my children first of all but i never i almost never show my dogs because i know what's going to happen when i do yeah oh you you, you're fattening your dogs up so you can eat them all the time and it's like i don't want to have that i don't want to live with that reality i don't want to live with you guys constantly telling me these things i don't i so i, I don't do it which is annoying because that's one of the biggest part of my lives i, I my life i yeah. love my dogs do you want to hear it's a so disturbing uh fact slash thing that i try to make into a joke for a really long time and never worked because it's so disturbing yes, You're, I've, so. this is trigger warning Okay. <laughs> this is disturbing. It's about dogs. But okay. In, did you know in America, this? I don't know how I found this statistic. 90% of people who perform bestiality are white men. 90%, right? And <laughs> the reason matter. why I think is imp- this is important is because statistically, we're seeing white men doodle with dogs the most. But that fact never sticks with white men. Yeah. No one's ever going to scream, dog fucker, when, I, when you see a white man on the street. <laughs> Statistically, yes, some well, Korean people eat dogs. It. Should we start it? We should. Swear to God. Statistically, <laughs> if there are 50 men in a room and uh, some of the, the, there's like 10 white... Uh, statistically, if there is a white guy, a black guy, and an Asian guy standing in a room, statistically... The white guy has fucked a dog. Oh, 90% more. There's 90% more chance of him having fucked a dog than the Asian man or the black. I'm just saying. That's just a fact. You want to talk about facts? It's just math, man. It's just math. Why are you getting mad that I'm bringing that up? You do eat dogs. Do you know what I mean? It's like, so I, if I start saying that to white guys, they're going to be like, why do you keep saying that? That's disgusting. Well, it's a fact. Why are you getting mad? You do fuck dogs. Why do you get mad? You're a dog fucker. Don't well, maybe you should me. stop fucking dogs and we'll <laughs> start bringing it up then. Don't be mad at me because your people fuck dogs. That's not my fault. Yeah, it's it's not our fault. That's just a fact. And that's literally... The, yeah, that's the dog-eating argument. Why are you so are triggered because you you're a dog fucker? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you should you should go back to your country and tell all of them to stop fucking dogs and then we won't have to tell, say that every time we see a white man on the street. <laughs> We have That's to find a- some kind of dog fucking fest that we can use against them because every time the Yulin Dog Festival comes up in, in a conversation, so I'm sure oh, there's the some dog kind of, eating. I'm sure there's some dog a dog fucking festival somewhere. Let's find it. I'm gonna find it. I mean, that's just, I'm, I'm sorry, like, I can never make that into a joke because white people will get so offended. And I'm like, oh, you're offended by that? Because that's shit, the shit that you keep telling us. Listen, that's if just you ever, a statistic. If you, 
ever find a time that you're going to try to attempt that joke, call me. I'll come sit in the audience or stand right next to you and and I'll defend you from the white people because it's like you're offended. I'm offended. (laughs) I'm offended that you keep fucking God. That's fucked up, man. Why are what's wrong with you people? What do you mean you're offended? You're doing it. Stop doing it then. The dog fucking is so much worse than dog eating, in my opinion, because I mean, I'm gonna, that yeah. is a necessity. If you have to eat a dog, it's probably out of necessity. You don't have to fuck a dog. No. no uh, yeah, I mean, if I was a dog, I would much rather prefer getting killed than eaten. I'm sorry. <laughs> Same. 100%. 100%. Oh, anyway, that's a horrible, it's, it's a horrible fact. And I only bring it up because it's like, because the question is, yes, there are statistically all these things that white people do, right? If we're sure. if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about statistics and numbers and facts, statistically, mm-hmm. there's all these things that white people do, but you ne- it never sticks to them because there's no. no racism against them. Right. There's no right, exactly. there's no stereotypes. Do you know what I mean? <clears throat> completely, I, I completely agree. And it's and like that's the thing is like when yeah. white people say like. Oh, I had this woman in my comment sections. She's I'm I'm going to just repeat it because this is what she said. She says, whatever, people make jokes about white people all the time. So what's the difference between telling white people they have thin lips or can't dance and that Asian people eat dogs and black people don't have dads? And I was like, you don't see the difference. You you don't see the difference. You don't see the what? Like, I can't if you can't see the difference, I can't fucking help you. And I was like, you said that on yeah. the internet like that you can't see the difference between the stereotype of black people and asian people versus not versus having thin lips yeah like, also you, when we say they have thin lips they get real mad too they get like murder <laughs> time <sure> mad <laughs> they get like how fucking dare you it's just like okay what so i mean you do <laughs> Why? Why are you foaming at your thin lips? Like, yeah, foaming at your thin mouth. It's such a. They don't see it. They don't see it at and, all. And people are always like, "You hate white people." I'm like, I don't hate anybody. No. I don't hate anybody. But what I want you to see is like what I've experienced, and a lot of the things that I've experienced is at the hands of white people. Yeah, and the systemic, you know, repercussions and consequences usually come from that place. And if you can't admit it, then I don't know what else to tell you. But that's why. That's why. Yeah. (sighs) It's like it's because when we call you out and say it, you're like, no, we don't. And then it's like, (laughs) oh, just that's why we keep talking about it. (laughs) You're literally doing it right now. (laughs) The fact that, okay, like I'm going to drop this because it's disgusting. Like the fact that that statistic that I just shared I guarantee you no one's ever heard that statistic. I was going to say, where did you find it? I got to find it. I Googled it. No, I, how did I fucking find it? Tell me what if it's real. What if it's not? Fake news. Let's just spread it. Who cares? (laughs) I'm going with it now. It's real now. Allegedly dog fuckers. (laughs) (laughs) We just start, start making shit up. That's what Fox News does. Just like make stuff up. No one cares. This is just entertainment. It's just entertainment. I'm going to look it up. Seriously. It is just a joke. It's just a joke. People are so serious. But you know, I think when I Googled it and I, I read it in an article, I think even in the article, they were trying to make it not seem bad that white men they were like well it's because it's self-reported and they're like yeah only white men are men enough to self-report there was like some sort of tinge of that going on (laughs) like even when they're like admitting that they did something fucked up they're like well it's like you know how the yeah 
it's somehow they were virtuous in in their fuck up. Exactly. There was like, some you know virtue how, in that. Yeah, like in Sweden, they have really high rates of rape. And then in the study that came out, it said it's because they have uh, they have such a low. Th- uh, they said that it's because their criminal justice system is so great that everyone is reporting stuff that other countries are not reporting. It's like, yeah, I know our rape numbers are high, but it's because the cops believe women. It was like that. And I was like, yeah, still, we don't, it's not a contest. Still, right, right. You it's won. Congratulations. Like, you can, like, yay. Good for you. We'll yeah. send a suite in a parade about it. Can you imagine, like, having really high, like, pr- numbers of rape and being like, it's because we're doing a good job. And it's like, <laughs> that is some fucking white nonsense. That is a white people thing. We suck because we're so good at everything. It's just like, <laughs> whoa. Uh, uh, I remember it was so funny. Um, okay, this It's like such an interesting uh, conversation, but I commend you for doing it. I know it's like very tiring, but also, you know, it's like, I think it's, it's, it's important. But I also have a question. Why did you, um, I guess, what was like the reason for you to start a TikTok or a social media platform where you were, you know, you said originally you were talking about politics or like, you know, kind of wanting to like, um, what's that? What's like unleash Purge. in a way in public? Like, yeah, why did you want to do um, that? I think I just have like a really like typical origin story for TikTok is that it was my first TikTok was the day that Donald Trump lost the election. Mm. And I was just like, I have to just get these thoughts out. And sometimes, you know, when you scream into the void, it's like, oh, okay, I can just do this. And like, I feel okay about it. And I just kind of just spewed this message out. And I was like, so elated that he had lost and it was great, whatever. And over time, I kind of just kept it as like my little diary that Mm -hmm. was public. Mm -hmm. And it was also at the time where... Korean culture was just really coming into the fore. And it was just something that I, in my life, as you know, I'm 47 years old, never thought that Korean, that white kids, black kids, Hispanic kids would all be singing in Korean. Like what, what is going on? You know what I mean? Like it was so like, I couldn't believe it. And so simultaneously, all of these things are kind of internally happening to me, but we're also just like locked in at home. And I was like, I need to get away from my children because they're driving (laughs) me crazy. So I would lock myself in the garage and just make videos and just talk. And it was it was like I just naturally just wanted to just tell people my ideas, whether or not anybody even listened to them. And then over time, it just kept growing. And I was like, is this like a thing? Like what's happening and I asked my daughter, who was like nine years old at the time, I was like, hey, how many followers do you think I can get? She's like, I don't know, probably like 300. I was like, deal. I bet you I can get at least 300 followers. She did not believe in me at all. <laughs> and now that she's like, now that she's like 11 and like yeah. headed into like the middle school section of her school, you know, like the seventh and eighth grade girls all know that, you know, her mom does TikTok and that she's TikTok famous or whatever. Oh, really? Oh my God, dude. It's so weird. It's so weird. <clears throat> They're like, oh my God, that's Suchia's daughter. <laughs> like, whatever. I'm, I'm so like... scared because my son is in third grade now and I just, I, it literally just occurred to me that children in a school are going to see my TikToks. Yeah, they're going to. But, you know, and, and that's the thing too is like, I wanted to just do something for myself um, and not to like martyr myself at all. But like, you know, when you're a working mom, you feel really 
spread thin a lot, you know, and, and yeah. I'm constantly running around. I, I work, I coach volleyball. I have kids. I have a husband. I have a business. I have dogs. Like I have so I've fucking PTA. I have all kinds of shit. I have so much shit going on all the time. And I was like, there are only two times of my day that are really for me. And the first one is when I go to the gym and I just mm-hmm. shut everybody out. And the second is when I come to TikTok and I talk to my friends and yeah. like, that was the thing that like saved me, you know, from like just going just like crazy in my house. And so, and then I realized that like people were listening yeah, and, and paying attention. And I was like, that's so cool. Cause I, I don't know of a lot of Asian women who are willing to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and willing to be imperfect and willing mm. to be, you know, exposed for, mm-hmm. for their faults. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have bad ideas sometimes. I have bad hot takes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not afraid to, to make those mistakes publicly because I think this, this whole, like, and I hate even, I hate the words model minority, but because of it, mm-hmm. I think Asian women have held themselves to this standard. Like we cannot for one minute look like we are imperfect. I'm like, this is not okay. We have to lower the temperature on ourselves because how can we exist this way? Yeah. It's, it's impossible. It's impossible. We, we can't continue like this. And Show it's so me harmful. It, it is. It's so harmful to perpetuate that model minority thing. I just, some of the, like the, the, not hate mail, hate comments or angry DMs that I get that really hurt my feelings the most is Asian people, it's actually mostly Asian men, which is interesting. Asian people will be like, why are you doing this to make us look bad? Like mm-hmm. you, you're trying to, you're like making Asian people look bad by doing this and saying this and telling them about this culture. And I'm like, actually, you are doing that because you're trying to perpetuate the fact that we're not human and that we only deserve respect when we are perfect. And what white people and other people who hate Asian people need to know is that we are human beings and we always deserve respect, even when we fuck up, even when we have, I don't know, a drug problem and fucking neck tattoos. And it, and that's the image that they need to see to humanize us in their faces. If they keep seeing the like the piano genius tap dancing right. fucking Harvard kid. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like that, they, they already have seen that for a long right. time. And guess what? They're still screaming at us from the street. So it's not working. Right. Right. And so right. it's not working. And it, it right. really hurts me when I see messages like that, because I can see like the oppressors, foot on their head you know it's like this fucking oppressive idea that that person as an asian person can't even be a full human being and they get right they're like when they see me just being myself they're like how dare you like how dare you do that the the whites are watching you know like that (laughs) (laughs) and i've been i've been told that my whole life because i've always been like this and i think i've always been this way where i if somebody says something to me that I don't like, they're going to yeah. hear about it. And if somebody does something crazy, I'm going to be like, this is, th- you can't, this is not, a, this is unacceptable. Or yeah. I, I laugh really loud or I am like really gregarious and I like have a big personality. I've always been this way. And every single person, particularly Asian people have always tried to stifle me. They're like, yeah. you laugh too loud. You talk so too loud. Real. Your ideas are too bold. Like it's too much. I'm like, I, 
if I'm too, maybe like, what, who says it? Elise Myers. If you think I'm too much, maybe you're just not enough. Yeah. Maybe you're just not enough. And and maybe that's a, that's a, it's an issue, not an ish me, right? Like, yes, that's not my problem that you can't, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you exactly. can't handle it. Yep. And what is it about my loud laugh? That's a problem. That's insane. That's crazy yeah. that somebody who is being joyful and happy is a problem for you. That, am I being too, am I taking up too much space in the world? Yeah. No. What, I, I hated it. Uh, my aunt always used to tell me that. Oh, it's too loud. Your laugh is too loud. Too loud for what? Too loud for people to know that I'm experiencing joy? Fuck you. And then That's meanwhile, your, your Korean dad is sneezing the loudest sneeze, <laughs> nuclear, <laughs> nuclear level atomic sneeze, and no one tells him to stop doing that. There is like an Asian man that lives on the third floor in my building. I live on the fifth floor. Tell me he, he was having a sneezing fit and I, <laughs> I heard it from my apartment. And I was like, why doesn't anyone tell him to shut the fuck up? Hush, hush. Especially as Asian. So why do Asian men sneeze so loud? <clears throat> I have no idea. It's it's all the trauma. It's trying to come out of them somehow. The <laughs> yeah, it's their stifled it's, trauma. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, to, to be honest, like, I don't want to like shit on Asian men. But obviously, they do have way more privilege in Asian culture because they don't they don't get told to shut up at all no, never, and then they never go rambling on drinking soju and like talking about the boringest shit you've ever heard for 30 <laughs> minutes and everyone has to listen to listen so to grandpa worse. um <laughs> but but i mean i i think asian men also experience this too this feeling of you're being too much you're being too loud you know right. especially in america like put, keep your head down or the whites are gonna see right but that's that question of intersectionality right so yeah yeah Korean, yep. asian men are still men you yeah. know, and so there are that cross section of, you know, Asian women who we experience racism, we experience sexism, and then we have a whole different layer of, yeah. of you know, the Asian women, you know, stereotypes that yeah. we have to contend with that Asian men don't. And of course, Asian men definitely have their stereotypes, but their yeah. stereotypes don't get them, you know, raped and murdered. It's just the truth. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's not the same. And, and when Asian men come to me and they're like, you're making Asian people look bad. And it's like, where's, where's the smallest bit of self-reflection? Why can't you understand that your life experience as an Asian man is completely different than mine? It yeah. is completely different. I, you have never had a carload of white women, uh, white men literally pull over on the side of the street and scream at you that you're an Asian whore and that, you know, they, <sighs> yeah. they would pay you for sex. Yeah. I was 15. You know what I mean? It's right. like, what are you talking about? You've never had that experience. Yeah, okay, yep. there are stereotypes about Asian men that are harmful and that are annoying, I'm sure. But yeah. it's very different than than this invitation to violence that people think that they have over Asian women. And I cannot stand for it. I have young Asian daughters. I will not stand for it. No, I don't yeah. accept that. I don't accept that anymore. I never have, but I particularly yeah. now. Yeah, it's this idea that they feel like they can control you or that's their job to control you and i think it's just a lot of projection because a lot of asian people were told that they can't have a voice and they're like well if i can't have a voice why can't why how can you why do you get to say this yeah you can bro you You can do it too say whatever the fuck you want man yeah now's the time strike while the iron's hot we're all listening what do you have to say what's so important say it and if you don't say it i'll say it i'll say it for you and i'll say it in a way you won't like yeah exactly I'm, I'm, I'm done with that shit i hate that i hate it so much i had a, so a boyfriend um yes. a korean boyfriend in college oh. 
Yeah. And he always was like, you know, he loved me the way that I was. He was a wonderful, wonderful man. And, you know, and the reason we never like went forward in our relationship, number one, I was only like 19, but number two, his parents were awful to me. Absolutely awful to me. I wasn't Korean enough. I was too tall. I was too fat. I was, didn't go to church enough. I was too loud. All of these things, basically everything that I was, was not enough. And I was like, I hope you don't think that I intend to spend the rest of my life suffering your parents. No fucking way. No way. And so then, you know, he was like, you, it's not, you can't, you know, we can't break up because of my parents. I'm like, we can, we will. I have to, I, I, and there's no way that you, the, the life that you've lived and the way that you grew up, you'll ever just, you know, denounce your parents and, and, Mm. you know, not have contact with them. It's not possible. And I'm also would never, would ask you to do that. Yeah. I'll never ask you to do that. You love your parents. I don't. Yeah. I gotta go. And, and for all my parents' faults and, you know, all their shortcomings, they never would have done that Hold on, let me preface this. They never would have said that to the face of the person that I was dating. They would say that to me privately, but never to their face. Ever. It's the truth. So real for that. Um, Okay, so here's my question. Do you know what ended up happening to him? Did he like He is a doctor, just like his parents wanted. He doesn't have social media from what I can tell, which is funny. I looked him up like a year ago. Um, I'm pretty sure from what my imagination tells me. He is a doctor, I think, like in Arizona. Um, he does like family practice. And I'm guessing he married this really sweet church going Korean girl. And they have two or three kids. And I'm sure, I don't know, he's fucking miserable. <laughs> yeah. You got to you, know? you gotta push for what you want because you can't yeah. do what your parents want. But let me guarantee you something. Whoever that person he ended up marrying is, parents are ha- still complaining about her. She could be oh, the yeah. perfect hundred pound <clears throat> fucking Korean church woman. Yep. Quiet, never still, says anything. You know, they're still like, she's so fucking blah blah. There's all they're doing is something. complaining about her. There's something. There's always something. And yeah. then, and that that's something that we my sisters and I, so I have an older sister and a younger sister, uh-huh. I think did a really good job of breaking my parents of. You know, my parents are oh, good. As far as Korean parents go, maybe like some of the most liberal of their generation, mm-hmm. thank God. But I think it's because my sisters and I just pushed against the machine so hard. Um, you broke them. You know, we, I think that's what it is. I mean, honestly, like, can you imagine me as a teenager to Korean parents are like, oh my fucking God. I ditched Korean school every day. I never went to church. I was talking shit, getting in fights, smoking cigarettes. I was doing all kinds of shit. They're like, what is up with you? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just the best. I'm awesome. You sound awesome. I was great. I had the best time. And, um, but over time, all of these kind of teenage angsty, like rebellion turned into like, I'm rebellious because I felt so oppressed Mm. in this kind of environment. And I had to rail against it because I didn't feel like I had a choice living with this on my throat all the time. I couldn't Mm -hmm. do it. It was killing me. And also, you raised me in the United States, in yeah. a liberal city in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. What did you expect was going to happen? I went to a fully like integrated high school in a rich neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But because all the rich kids went to private school, my school was filled with inner city kids from all over L.A. Like I was exposed to a lot. 
And yeah. I didn't live in this tiny little, you know, all Korean city, Korean church, you know, it, it wasn't my, it wasn't my experience. So I was like, mm-hmm. you kind of, this is by your design, whether you knew it or not. This is, yeah. this is on account of what you, your choices brought us here. Um, now for it, they're, I think they're much happier because we can be who we want. Yeah. You, you broke their spirits, you know, <laughs> but, and, but they're happier now. I think They're so. way happier think so. now. Be happy, no, I, I agree. mom. <laughs> I agree. I think you have to, because um, it's like, yeah, like if you live this sort of, I think a lot of Korean you know, people in that generation, they fall into this like complaining, I hate everything and everything's not good enough sort of mode, which I like, that's so strong if you like, I don't know if you ever go to like to Korea, Korea, but that shit is so strong there. Everyone it's is ingrained. fucking miserable. And I'm like, all of you are so attractive and skinny and have great jobs and everyone's doing everything, quote unquote, right, that their parents want you to do. And all of you are so fucking miserable because nothing is ever good enough for any of you. I know. Yeah. And I've refused to subscribe to that. I I just couldn't. Like, and and I think, you know, I think that the straw that broke my the, the camel's back was when I dropped out of college. Yeah. And my parents were like, you can't do that. And I'm like, oh, I just did. I did. Yeah, I and did they're it. like, what? And I was like, I want to go to art school. And I want to, you know, whatever. They're like, what? Like, oh my God. Like, who are you? And I was like, I'm exactly the person you always pretended I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I, I played sports. I sang. I acted. I did all kinds of things as a teenager, even though my parents were like, okay, you can, you can play volleyball, but you also have to go to Korean school on Saturdays. Fine. You can do um, art and you can do theater, but you also have to go and, you know, play the Korean drums or whatever. I'm like, whatever. Like, I'll do whatever you want. I'll do whatever you want if you just let me live my fucking life. And so there were always these, like, there was always like a deal. There was always Mm -hmm. a deal. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I'd be like, you know, I haven't been to Korean school in like six months. Just let it, you know. Just so you know, I literally just got in my, you know, Toyota Celica with a pack yeah. of Marlboro Lights and I bailed like, <laughs> like 16. Nice. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Like I can't. And so, you know, yeah. little by little. Yeah. I love that. Well, we, okay, we want to, I want to get, move on to the next portion of the podcast, which is when, when I ask you a sad story, but I usually like to share a little sad story to begin with, but I don't have a specific sad story, but I do have something interesting about what we were talking about. And I think... I really have been thinking about this a lot. So, you know, you were saying that you're, you've always been like this, like this has been your personality. But for me, my, like my, I think I have always been like this, but as a child and teenager and young adult, I just sort of hit it because I just didn't have the courage or the strength to be myself. So in most situations, you know, in public, you in like uh, professional settings, I was very quiet. I just didn't really like connect with people. Um, and then I was only in like this type of way around my very close friends, right? Which is I people, I tell a lot to people all the time and they find it hard to believe, but I was very quiet and reserved. And the place that I was the most like that was uh, this like facade of being like a quiet, good girl was in like romantic relationships. So the person that the the people that I was like in relationships with was not real. And it was, I was very guarded and I, 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 I like hid my personality because I, I was convinced that if they saw who I really was, nobody would 
like that. Like nobody would like this, who I am. And so I would get into these relationships um, just being like, oh, like I'm a good girlfriend. I'm going to make you lunch every day, blah, blah, blah. And um, I had such a deep fear of if I'm like myself, nobody will like me, which I fight to this day, by the way. Like I'm always like, you know, I'm, I'm single and I date around and I like date a lot of people. But to this day, I'm like, I bet this person doesn't really like me because my personality is so it's too much and I'm kind of annoying. You know, those are the thoughts in the back of my head. But the interesting thing is, and, and I, I'm seeing this kind of like as an inspiration and kind of like, it's like one of these things that I learned, like I was saying earlier, like I used to think in a wrong way. And then when I corrected that, I, it was so liberating that I really want people to hear this. And I really want young women to hear this because the kind of people that I was dating when I was doing this sort of like, ooh, acting like a girl, like that sort of facade um, and it wasn't on purpose. It was like to sell, it's like a self-protection mechanism, right? Like um, the kind of men specifically that I was attracting and dating were the kind of men that also believe that women should act like that, right? Who are horrible fucking people. <laughs> horrible people. Like if you're a man that thinks that your woman should stay home and cook and clean and it doesn't Wait matter. Like you're a shitty fucking person. Mm -hmm. But it's up to that point in my life, my mom had told me that that was what men wanted. And I didn't Oof. know that there were other people that existed that <laughs> didn't like that. And to this day, it's like really ingrained in me. I have to work on changing yeah. that. Like, and so these horrible people that I was dating when I was hiding myself from the world. And then it was kind of like the self-fulfilling prophecy because I was like, oh, men are all like this. And then yeah. the only men that were attracted to me were like that. So I was like, oh, I right. knew it. All men are like this. Right. And then like compared to now where I'm just, you know, we've all seen my the fucking chaotic mess that I am online <laughs> and the people that are attracted to me now and uh, they are like men are so fucking awesome. And yeah, I was like, bro, I don't even know people like you existed. <laughs> like you're That's totally... The thing. Yeah. And I was like, the oh, energy that you put out. Lie. Yeah, what you put out is what you get back. And that's the absolute yeah. truth. And people that are attracted to me like like the fact that I'm fucking chaotic. And they <laughs> don't get jealous when I joke about sucking dicks or whatever. That I constantly right. do, because I love it. <laughs> getting my jokes ass, are sucking dick. <laughs> yeah, getting my ass eaten oh. out. Yeah, like they think that's funny. And they're they're right. adult they're adult and mature enough to realize right. that like if I am dating them, I'm not fucking everybody and it's a joke. Right. It's a joke. They they right. are mature enough to realize that and they they're not weird and they don't want me to go and make them a sandwich because that's not the only kind of man that's out there in the world. Right. And if you if you live your life authentically, you will, like what you said, you attract the energy that you put out. And this whole idea that if you're a woman, you have to look a certain way, you have to fucking cook and clean and, uh, you know, have like bleached hair. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I'm not like this bleached hair, but you know what I mean? Like the, I know what you mean. Like the Fox <laughs> News, like whatever, the right, blue right, eye, right, like right. cowboy boot wearing, I don't know. Right. Like those, the like, Laura Ingrams of the world. Yeah. Yes. Like that look. Um, if you, believe that that's what men want and you do that then that's the kind of man that's going to come for you well because a man who's like a forward-thinking progressive like liberal feminist man does not want to hang out with a girl who doesn't understand her own feminism or her yeah. own you know you know place in the world or her own you know abilities or like whatever like why would yeah, i like it would be exactly. the same thing right i wouldn't want to date a man who would want me to be 
uh, stay at home, barefoot, pregnant, you know, just cleaning up after him. Yeah. I wouldn't what would we want talk about? that man. Right. Yeah. No, I don't want that. So why would I, you know, approach somebody that I know is like that? I would never. Yeah. I never. Would ne- I could never. Ew, no. Gross. But it did take so me by surprise. Do you surprise. think that you're better now? Do you think that you acknowledge, now that you've acknowledged that as you go forward, mm. you know, that, that you are as authentically, as authentic as you can? Or do you sometimes find yourself overcompensating because of what's happened in the past? I sometimes overcompensate. Oh, I I think that for me, every step into being myself is t- so terrifying that I don't think I'm overcompensating. <laughs> but I'm just like every day I'm riddled with I'm fighting it. But like I'm I have these feelings of I did. I said too much. And I'm like, I have to fight it and be like, no, I have to say I have to say more. But I don't think I've crossed across the threshold where I feel like I'm overcompensating. But I just feel like to me, it was like because I was talking to my therapist about this last week. And that's why I'm mm-hmm. talking about it a little bit. But like. This like, I had this like epiphany and I was like, look at these fucking people that like me. This is like a fucking cool person. Never in my wildest dreams did I think, and they fuck better. I'm sorry. They do. Of course they do. When you're liberated, you fuck so much better. When you're like rigid and you just, no, because it's not about pleasure. It's not about pleasure and it's not about pleasing somebody else. It's just about whatever you want because no man who wants a woman that is serving him is going to be interested in serving her, you know what I mean, in any way. It's an inauthentic connection. When you you just like each other for how cool you are and stuff. It's so much better. It's like, it's so different. It's like night and day. So I'm, I just want to put that out there. If you're just one of these people that's like afraid of being yourself because you're scared right. that men don't like that, bro, just, tr- it's just like, oh my God, you're going to go into like a next level of right. fucking hot guys. Right. The men the men that do like that, they'll find you. Don't worry. Oh, they they'll, will they'll find, find you. you. If, if you put out that good energy and you put out the like, I'm confident and I know exactly who the fuck I am. Those yeah. men, they want to find you. They, they, they don't want all the, they don't, do you know how much work it is to be with a woman that can't think for herself? I can't even imagine. Oh my God. I can't imagine how much work that must be. That must be such a fucking pain in the ass. It would kill me. I would hate it. Yeah. I couldn't do like, it. Not have any interesting things to talk about. Also, oh. if you're yourself and you act like yourself, it weeds out all the fucking losers. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. Yeah. That is the absolute truth. What, what's that saying? Like, if you never lie, you never have to remember anything. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, if you mm-hmm. always just are yourself, you never have to go out back and be like, oh, well, I only did that because, like, well, I did that because that's who I am. And that's just what I believe. And so I don't know why you're surprised about it. You know, like, that's that's the thing is, like, my husband, I've been married for 12 years. Mm-hmm. My husband has evolved with me as I evolve. And every mm-hmm. iteration of myself or this newfound whatever characteristic that I have or, like, whatever – it never challenges him. He's always like, that's fucking cool. Like, that's so cool. Yeah, that you just discovered awesome. that about yourself. Like, how can I be more supportive of that? Or like when my husband went sober two years ago, I was like, great. What can we do to like foster this for you? Like, it, it's such a like, and I'm not saying like, I have the most perfect relationship. We fight like all the fucking time. He's, he annoys yeah. the shit out of me. He cannot fucking wring out a sponge to save his motherfucking life. <laughs> what the fuck is that? What is that? But... At the same time, it's like, like we, we get that we're going to change and we're going to evolve and we're going to, you know, and we just have to make sure that we just pace each other and, and keep up. That's it. Just keep up. I'll I'll keep up with you. You keep up with me. Yeah. That's great. I mean, it's like, and you know, obviously it must, it must feel very nice to be with somebody that like sees you and likes it. Like that feeling, that feels so good, you know, and it's it's very relatively new to me. So. 
Well, I'm glad you found it because you deserve it too. We all deserve it. We all deserve to be with people who like us for just being us. Yeah. I'm so used to, oh, this is, I want to get to your sad story, but like, I like went on like a few dates with this person I met online and he was like kind of a normie guy. And I was like, I don't know why you're, I don't know why we're on this date, but like, I was like, you're kind of hot. So let's see where this goes. (laughs) And he was just like a normie, like, like old school belief systems that like, but he was like, I'm liberal, but like he he was holding on to these like normie ideas. And I okay. I was so bizarre because we went out <laughs> two times and I could just feel like the dislike, like stewing inside him when I did certain things. And I'm so <sighs> not used to it now because I only date people that are really into me. And he like had he had yeah. no Internet. He doesn't use Internet, which I, I love. But then I was like, oh, you have no idea like what my thoughts are. So right. I would say stuff and I could just like feel the like which is I think very normal for straight men to have the the like hatred of straight women, you know? Right, right, of course. Like, ew, why'd you do that? Why'd you say that? And I was like, oh, this feels so bad, but I'm like, oh, this is normal for him. This is how he feels uh, about all women, mm. you know? And I was like, ew. Yeah. He he challenges you being a woman any chance he gets is is what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Ew. No, like I'm any good. anything that I did that wasn't like, uh, like normal girl, basic girl like, action. Like if I did anything like funny or whatever, he'd be like, "Why are you doing that? Why why can't you just say, burp with your mouth closed? You know, whatever." And I was like, "Oh, I forgot. I forgot that straight men really hate straight women. Most of them." Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> anyway, <coughs> what's your sad story? Okay, so ever since this has been on the table, I have been racking my brain for a sad story. And I don't know what it is or why I cannot come up with one. Hmm. And I think it's just because I think my perspective on my life is different. So it's not really a sad story. I will just tell you what my sad state of being is for this particular part of my life. Mm-hmm. And, and that sadness is, is between me and my father, who I love. My father is the fucking best. He's wonderful. And he has been such a good father and he has done everything. You know, I'm already like, I've already have a lump in my throat. Um, You know, and he works so hard. But I know at the core of my father's being, he's sensitive just like I am. And Mm -hmm. I've only seen it a couple times in my life where he couldn't contain his emotions. Like at my sister's wedding, he like burst into tears, like out of nowhere. And none of us were expecting, we were shocked. Like I've never, I've seen my father cry twice. And the first time was because I got caught at school smoking cigarettes when I was like in third grade. He was like, what's wrong with you? And he was crying out of desperation. Third grade? (laughs) I I never lit the cigarette. I just stole it from my uncle and I showed it to the kids at school. So I got busted for that, but I didn't smoke it. I just was like, look what I got. That's Mm -hmm. it. But he cried because he was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? So that was a very different kind of cry. Mm. And when I saw him cry at my sister's wedding, this is, you know, 15 years ago. It occurred to me that my father is as sensitive as I am, but he's never been allowed to express his emotions mm. and he's never had the, the permission to be that way. And so as I've grown up, when he like, you know, has a couple drinks, like you were talking about, Korean men will have a couple drinks and they'll start telling stories. Yeah. And for some reason in me, <clears throat> whenever my father starts to tell a story about his childhood, which is usually has something to do with 
the war or, you know, living impoverished in Korea after the war or trying to like go to school, but he had to take a bus and, or being in the army or, you know, moving to America and how badly he was treated or like, it's not always like a sad story. It's, it's almost never a sad story. Yeah. But for some reason, I can't listen to my father talk about his past. And I don't know why. And mm. I don't know what it is. My sisters will sit and they'll listen and they'll laugh and they'll drink. But I'm like, oh, I, I got to go do something. I have to go. Um, mm-hmm. My kids have school in the morning. I, go, I have to go home and pack lunch. I, I leave. And I'm like, I can't. Even if it's a wonderful story about how he graduated top of his. There's something about it because I know that when my father, when I, when my father's talking about his childhood, He's not allowed to tap into the things that hurt him and traumatized him. And he can't talk about, and I don't think he could ever articulate the pain. Or I don't think I could ever listen to my father talk about the pain that he's ever lived through. And so I literally get up and I will physically Mm. remove myself. And my younger sister was like, why do you do that? Every time dad starts to tell a story, you get up and you leave. And I'm like, I don't know if it's just like this accumulation of the trauma that I imagine that dad has experienced that he Mm -hmm. has not acknowledged and I'm so afraid that if I'm sitting there and it comes out and I have to hear it I'll never unhear it and I will never not be able to not know the pain that he lived through in his childhood and I'll never be able to escape the the thoughts the the recurring you know thoughts of him suffering as a five or four year old child I'll never be able to like but my imagination and like the thing is so stupid because he's here he, he's probably golfing right fucking now. I could call him and be like, hey, dad, come over. I want to talk to you and mm. I want to learn about your childhood and I want to learn about what it was like for you as a teenager or when you got drafted into the army. I want to know about those things. But I am terrified. And then, and then objectively, I know that my ability to learn those things from him is limited. I don't have that much time. My father's 80 years old. I don't have that much time to ask him. And then if I don't ever ask him the question and I reg- well, how much will I regret never having the, the courage to say, dad, tell me about those hard times. Tell me about your trauma. Tell me about how hard it must've been for you to lose your dad when you were just a kid and how hard it was for you to leave your mom, you know, because you tried to, you know, come here to, to make a new life. And that must've been so hard. You're 26 years old. It must've been terrifying, you know? And like, I want to know, but I don't want to know, but I know if I don't find out, I will hate myself and regret it for the rest of my life. And so I'm like caught in this like space where I'm like, how, how, what can I do? How can I, how can I find out and not have to find out? How can I know and learn about my dad without having to learn about my dad? And I'm just caught in this like weird place. And my husband is like, you have to talk to him about it. You have to ask him and you have to learn about all the parts of your dad. I'm like, I'm so scared. I'm so scared of what that's going to sound like. And I'm almost more terrified that if I give my father the permission to be emotional about it, what I'm going to see. Because seeing my dad cry that one time at my sister's wedding, I was like shocked and I didn't know how to act. And I was like, what is happening? I've never seen my father have emotions like this before other than anger. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know what to do with that. And if I see it, I don't know what that's going to do to me. And obviously that's very selfish. And then I know mm. that. And I know that's very selfish for me to, to be concerned about how I will feel about his emotions. But like, I'm so 
removed from my father having emotions that I, I don't know what that's going to be like. And I don't know. And that's, it just speaks to just this like repressed culture that, that parents, you know, that people of our, my parents' generation have. And it's like, I see them break those little things little by little, mm-hmm. but I'm afraid if I'm like, dad, tell me your fucking sad story. It would, yeah. it will break, it will break me. It, it, I know, I know very little about this one story about my father. So my father's family was from the Northern part of Korea. And when the mm-hmm. war broke out, they had to escape. Like so many people did. Yeah. But my fam- my father's family was an aristocratic family. They were very wealthy yeah. and their mm-hmm. house was taken over like so many people. Mm. And my family, my father was standing in line waiting for food from like the army or whatever. They were getting their rations or like whatever they're getting or whatever the food there was. Mm-hmm. And my father had asked his father because he said he wanted a hard boiled egg. And his father said, don't let anybody know that you've ever had a hard boiled egg because only rich people ate hard boiled eggs. And if they oh find God. out who you are, they're going to kill us. And just knowing that that happened to my dad as a, a baby, as a five-year-old, and I have kids and thinking of that happening to my kids is like, I can't bear it. Like, I can't, like the weight of it is so heavy. Like it crushes me. So even just that little, I don't, I'm like, I don't want to know anymore. I don't want to know what happened. I don't want to know if he ever actually got the fucking egg. I don't want to know. Yeah. I, I don't care. I don't want to know. But knowing that that happened to him as a little boy is like, and I think the generational trauma is a real thing. I, I really know very little about the war yeah, and what my parents went through during it. But I carry this like trauma from it, even though I know almost nothing. And I, that can't be from nowhere. It yeah. can't be from nowhere, you know? Ugh, so what, there's that. When he was telling <laughs> you that egg story, how was he like, like emotion wise? Was he very like, it was very matter of fact. It was very matter of fact. Mm. And from what I remember, and again, I don't even know. I left. I left the room. I was like, I was like, this is nope. This is where I fucking go. This is where I leave because I can't. I can't even think about it. Yeah. If I think about it, the moment that thought enters my mind, instantly I'm a mess and I can't fucking deal. I think you can like honor the part of yourself that realizes that you can't handle that. You know what I mean? It, like it are like your feeling of wanting to hear these stories and not you know, wanting him to die without sharing that with you. I think that's very valid. Obviously you want to know what happened, but like, I think it's like, also there should be room for you to realize that you can't hear it. Can I ask, you said that you were like in shock when you saw him crying at the wedding. Like what were your emotions like during that? You were just like, let me just put myself back there. Um, I was just really stunned. And I also Mm. kind of was just like, what brought him to this moment? Like, I was so confused. I was like, he's been so stoic. Like he laughs and he's like a fun guy. He's, you know, like he's a really fun guy to be around, but I've never seen him like cry from like emotion. Yeah. And to see that was like so confusing to me. And I was like, why now? And then after he cried at my sister's wedding. It almost felt like he made it a point to not cry at my wedding or my other sister's wedding because he didn't want to express it. You know, he was like, I know that everyone saw me cry and I don't want anybody to see me cry again in that way. So he was like a fucking robot at my wedding. And I was like, dad, like relax, like enjoy yourself. And he like, couldn't do it. He like refused. Cause I was like, cause he, he's just not part of a generation that is, understanding of having emotion you know and allowing themselves to have it 
Well, I think that there's also this, you know, I feel like obviously for men, we were talking about like the unfairness that Asian women face. And for, for the unfairness that a lot of men face is, I mean, this was true for both men and women of this generation, especially like in Korea, but men are not allowed to show emotions right you know because they are made fun of for that and that's like the abuse that they endure as children um but the whole i think what what i find interesting about this dynamic is that there is this like idea of the strong dad that's strong no matter what and for some reason for you to realize that he's not strong is like terrifying that's like terrifying for you you know what i and mean that's funny my younger sister just told me that and she's like well what would be so bad if you saw dad with emotions and i was like oh shit i don't know yeah oh, shit like you needed she's like, him yeah like why would you feel like any type of way about dad like crying or dad feeling sad like your husband my husband cries at fucking everything it doesn't phase me at all but the idea of my father crying i was like that is definitely something that I'm going to have to talk to my therapist about um, as to why seeing my father be emotional. And I think it's because the only real emotions I've ever really seen from my dad Mm. are, I know what to expect when my dad's happy. I know what to expect when my dad's upset. I know Mm. what to expect what, you know, but I don't, and that's the thing is like, it's such a foreign idea to me. I don't know what to expect when my dad is emotional in that kind of way. I think that's the thing is like the unknowing, I think makes yeah. it feel really scary to me. Like out of control. Yeah. Cause it's like, a, that, yeah. yeah. Cause him as you like your protector, the strong guy that's like right. always like in control. I feel like that has a lot to do with it. I think that, you know, I think obviously I don't feel this strongly about this, but I also get very scared and feel very destabilized seeing my father cry. Because, you know, I think I think most people do. Like I said, you know, like for men, the sort of emotional abuse that they endure as children is like the their emotions not being allowed to be displayed. And they all pick up on that. And so all of our dads, you know, it's a very common thing to hear. You you never see your dad cry. And then when you see it happen, you're like, oh, and it feels it's very so bad. jarring. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I, I don't, I don't have no idea what to do with this. And I think what's great now is that I've married a man who like, like I said, will cry at anything. He cries yeah. at everything. And for my daughters are just like, oh God, daddy's crying again. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's yeah. become very normal for them to see him have emotion. And I'm so grateful you know, to my husband who is able to do that yeah, and show my daughters that it's okay and you can still be strong and you can still be masculine and the protector or whatever male stereotype there is, but you can also cry at a Subaru commercial when a dad is teaching his daughter how to play basketball in the driveway, you know, and, and he cries yeah. at those kinds of things. And it's like, it's, it's, and maybe that's part of why I chose him as my husband is because he was so his emotions are so tangible and they're so yeah. on the surface and, and they're so, I know I, I, I have every expectation. Like when I'm watching TV and something comes on the TV, I don't have to look at my husband to know that he's crying. I know he's crying from whatever it is, you know, that I, and so it's so predictable and that mm-hmm. makes me feel safe and that makes oh, me feel, you know, wait, that's really interesting that you said that. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, it, it, I, it, yeah, that predictability in his emotions and his yeah. Oh, that is interesting, and maybe that's what it is. Yeah, as, as a child, my father was always 
Um, you know, we didn't know, was he going to be happy? Was he going to be sad? Was he going to be stressed out about money? It was always very unpredictable. So I guess, Mm. well, there we go. I guess I don't have to call my fucking therapist. (laughs) No, I I feel like, no, you're done. Don't. I feel like uh, I kind of always feel like I always I'm so interested in why people feel certain ways, but I also kind of feel like I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I think, yeah, like the fact that you just said, I can just see something on TV and know my husband is crying, like, you know, and the like the unpredictability of your dad crying out of nowhere and then just being like, what? Why? And he probably didn't know either. Mm -mm. You know, he's probably like, what the hell? Right, right, exactly. And I think, and I think, again, you know, if, if I were to tap into that, and I know my dad, if if I tried to, like, if I framed it in a way where he knew I was trying to get him to be emotional, he would just shut it fucking down. He would just, nope, oh. be, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like he would know, like, from 100 wow. paces, he'd be like, I know what you're trying to do, but I'm not going to do it, you know? Yeah. So you would have to be and like, I, can you share stories about your childhood? Not be like, right. tell me the saddest thing that's ever happened to you. Yeah. <laughs> Make me cry, dad. I bet you can't do it. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. he, um, you know, and I think, I, and again, I, I kind of live with this, this dichotomy or this, like, I, I want to know so bad and I don't want to know at all at the same time. It's really, it's challenging. Yeah. And I, and I, I know the clock is ticking and that, that makes it even more, you know, I don't know, pressing, or it makes it even more just kind of top of mind all the time. You know, whenever I see my yeah. dad, I'll, I'm like, should I do it now? Should I just do it? Should I just do it? And then I don't, and then I don't do it. What if he had this thing where he would just record something, you know what I mean? Like into a microphone, like you would have somebody else do it. Maybe look, like, look, I'm crying. Yeah. <laughs> and then that makes me cry. I don't know, just to have it, you know, and the, I mean, I know that sounds very like, it sounds a little like <laughs> my last will and testament. <laughs> yeah. Like spooky, uh, but um, <laughs> right. a little morbid, but like, it's right, like, right. Just so you would have it on record, you know, I think my father would be like, if why do you ever... think I'm going to die? <laughs> yeah. And then he's going to be like, why are you, why are you, why? <laughs> yeah. This? Nobody wants to leave stuff behind for <laughs> the thought of them dying but um you know do you want to hear i don't want to like judge myself but i absolutely do not have a problem hearing my mom's trauma story like she tells me the stuff all the time and she tells me she's never cried but she tells me like very similar stories to your story but um she tells me the stories in a funny way she always makes it into a joke and some of them are gruesome like there's yeah right horrifying things that people being murdered in front of the, yeah, I know. Yep. yeah and she tells right. me is like a joke and and then i'm laughing at it well that's that's why i have this podcast it's not that right. hard so we're laughing <laughs> right. at this we're laughing at like the horrors of war and genocide, traumatic shit basically. yeah yeah right and people getting raped and all sorts of stuff and i'm just like why am i laughing at this why are you making me laugh at this this is right. weird now my butthole is hairy <laughs> and so she tells she tells me all the stuff in a funny way and i never felt that sad about it i mean i do i've like right. cried about it thinking about it on my own but yeah. not like right i feel like not in a way that you were experiencing where it's like devastating right. i'm just like oh that's sad oh and then i'm like La la la, I'm, you know. Well, so then, but, yeah. so then you see that as just like your mom's like obvious trauma responses to you know make it a joke and make light of it. But yeah. when she, does she ever tell it to you in a serious way where you feel like the weight of what she's really telling you? Never. Well, she couldn't do that. So then we There's have no so way. We have like the could. opposite. Yeah, 
I mean, in, in a way, it's the similar because like you're saying your dad couldn't tell you in a sad, an emotional way. Like he would have to tell you right. like very matter of fact, mm-hmm. which she does that too. Sometimes she'll just say something very matter of fact or funny, but she'll right. never be like, oh, like I'm sad because like, right. I don't even know if that she could do that. She, right. she would have to make it into a joke. Right. Th- that's my mom, too. My mom is my mom. I wouldn't say she does it like jokingly. She just doesn't show emotions in that way either. Um, she's she's very matter of fact in that way, like my my father is. Yeah. But like I I don't think I've only seen my mother cry once, and that was at my wow. grandfather's funeral. And it was not just like a normal cry. It was like you know the Korean women at a the funeral wailing. cry, like yeah. the wailing and the screaming. And I was like, I am. <sighs> fucking traumatized i like they're all wearing their white humbucks and they're like throwing themselves on my grandfather's fucking coffin i'm like what the fuck is going on? i'm like 16 and i'm like what the fuck is going on this is so intense it's and then so intense it, and then it was over and then we all had you know we went to korean food and i was like whoa but it was and and i don't i've never seen my mom cry since i saw her wow. cry she wiped tears once but i think she was faking it I don't know, but I, I, she, but it's so cute. Like now she, she's trying, I can see that she's trying to like normalize the way that she, or not normalize. She's trying to like help me understand and get insight into the way that she used to talk to me. Cause you know how Korean's mom talk, right? Yeah. And, and we were in Vegas for my dad's 80th birthday and my sisters and I all saved up money and we just like blew a wad of cash because my dad's fucking 80th birthday yeah and you know she's she's like you know why are you spending all this money like whatever she's like so like why are you spending it and I was like and she's like I she's like caught herself and she's like I'm sorry I didn't mean it that way what I'm trying to say to you is that I know you saved all this money, but we don't want you to spend it on us because we know you worked so hard. So when I say that, I don't mean that you're like a fucking loser <laughs> and you have no money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's what it sounds like to you. Yep, like yep. you don't even have any fucking money. What yep. the fuck are you doing spending like this? Yeah. She's like, what I'm trying to say is I love you. Thank you. And don't, I don't want you to do this because I know that it's, you know, spreading you thin. And I was like, mom, that is some real fucking growth. Good for you. I was like, That's great. I appreciate that. I was so surprised. That's amazing I was like, that she could do that. I would, she, cause she heard it. She heard it and she saw me just like, come on, dude. Like we've yeah. been down this road. You know, you know that when you say the things that every typical Korean mother says, to their children, particularly their daughters, mm-hmm. you know how it sounds and you know what it lands like. And and you know that I, I, I'm going to call you out about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for her. Yeah. Um, she's super progressive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like blown away. Um, that's so, in- I like really wish I like, I really wish I understood that feeling. It. I mean, you know, like why that's like so scary for you and it kind of makes me not like judge myself but i was kind of like why don't i feel sad about my mom (laughs) i was like my mom's telling me it was a leprosy guy that tried to eat her heart and i was like that's funny it's it's horrible you don't want to hear it i was like that's so sad yeah i was like i did not like if i really sat down and thought about that happening to my like seven-year-old mom i you know and that's yeah for some reason doesn't make me sad i'm just like haha i don't know 
<laughs> well, maybe that's it, right? It's like, you know that if you allowed yourself to feel that way, it would yeah. fucking devastate you. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. If I allowed myself to listen to these stories, it would fucking devastate me. Yeah. And I don't know how, I don't I know what, what my recovery would be like on something like that. And I think it, a lot of it has to do with the fact that I have little kids. Yeah. And it, when I, mean, I, I have think a kid too, like, though. Still don't care about my mom. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> don't give a fuck. I'm good. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. Children's suffering is like the one thing is like I can't yeah. do. Like that's like the one that's like a real big trigger of mine. And I think it's because of my parents. Yeah. You know, knowing that they suffered that way. I'm sorry I didn't have like a sad story about like anything else, but <laughs> no, that was amazing. No, that was the oh. that was like so interesting. I f- I found it really fascinating. I I am so fascinated by different things that affect different people, you know, and like different triggers that they have. And mm. I, you know, I I like I'm that I was joking earlier. Like all jokes aside, I don't judge myself for reacting differently to other people. But I just I think it's so so fascinating because I'm like, oh, I don't yeah. do that. I wonder why. And I wonder why this person right. acts like that. And I think that's extremely like such an interesting, interesting, sad story. Yeah. Um, but we are running out of time. So I'm just gonna I just want to okay. quickly say thank you so much for joining us. Of course. This is such thank a you great- so much for having me. I, I was I was really nervous, but I felt so at ease like immediately. So thank you. Oh, really? You didn't seem nervous yeah. at all. I was like, yeah, Suji oh, is going to come and bring her <laughs> badass energy. Um, I was like, oh, my God, I have nothing to say. I guess I do. No, you have so much to say and you should say it. And no one I should will. ever tell you to shut up because you have a voice and everyone loves listening to it. Um, before we go, can you tell the people that are listening that might not follow you on social media where they can find you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram and on TikTok under Sujia and the number one, S-O-O-G as in George, I-A and the number one. Sujia, number one. <laughs> yeah. That's me. Um, and you can follow the podcast at Harry Butthole Podcast on Instagram and my social media is YM Mayor or Young Me Mayor on TikTok. Sujia, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. I can't wait to check my butthole to see if there's a hair growing out of it. Yeah, go check. Show me a picture. <laughs> Send me a picture of your hole. <laughs> Of your butthole later. I will, I promise. <laughs> Thank you again so kidding. much. I had so much fun. It was great. I'm this so is... glad we like met. I'm so happy. Yeah, this is amazing. Okay, bye. Bye. Take care. <laughs>